It seems like every movie these days is two hours minimum, and shows are getting longer, too. Is this trend real, though, or just a perception? I'm Maggie Pena. And I'm Sean Scott. And on today's episode of Pop Culture Combos, we're looking at runtimes. Once again, I'm Sean. And I'm Maggie. And today we have Reese with us, who has been recently promoted to assistant entertainment editor. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be here. I'm very excited for this new position. I am very excited as well. Today, again, we're looking at runtimes for movies, which if you've been in a theater recently or if you've watched any shows on Netflix, you know, it feels like runtimes are getting longer. Reese, I think that you know more about this than I do. Is this trend a real thing or is it just a perception? I mean, it's hard to say. There's definitely the sense that it's been happening, like you said. But in order to sort of go more into this, I sort of went back through the last couple years of big releases. And there are certainly plenty of examples where movies, movie length seem to be creeping up above the average. Just this year alone, The Batman was just under three hours. Elvis was two hours and 40 minutes. Both the new Jurassic World and Fantastic Beasts movies were closer to 2.30 than the previous entries. Black Panther Wakanda Forever is set to be 2 hours and 40 minutes. And even just going back the last couple of years, Spider-Man No Way Home was 2.30, Dune was 2.30, Eternals was almost 2.40, the last James Bond movie was 2.40, and Wonder Woman and the the most recent Matrix were both 2.30. And I think the biggest culprit of them all, Zack Snyder's Justice League, was four hours, which is a different case because it was released directly to streaming as opposed to being released in the theaters. But it's still a pretty big movie and I think does kind of represent this bloating of big budget runtimes within the past few years. Are you saying that you don't think that four hours is a reasonable length for a movie? I mean, there are plenty of movies that have been released that I've seen that are three hours plus that I've enjoyed. I mean... The Irishman is a great example of a movie that came out a few years ago that I love, and that movie's three and a half hours long. I do think that when it comes to a superhero movie, four hours is a bit much. There's only so much you can do within a runtime that long without it getting a little dull, I would say. But obviously there are people who love how long that movie is. I know that movie's been very well received by its fans, so I could, I could just be in the minority here. There is a good likelihood that there are people who love that movies are getting longer because that means there's more in each individual film for them to experience. But it certainly makes going to the theater more of a commitment than just a quick go get a blast of serotonin from a film and then leave. So you mentioned how it kind of might be related to genres different genres obviously like mafia movies are known for being longer movies the godfather 2 was i think it's three and a half hours irishman is three and a half hours the original godfather is really long too but endgame was three hours so is there a difference between that because it's a conglomeration of 20 some movies and is there a difference between that and say this justice league movie that was four hours I mean, I, I, would, I would agree so. Justice League is, again, kind of a weird case because it's a director's cut of a movie that was originally released in kind of a incomplete state. The original Justice League was not what Zack Snyder intended. It was hacked and cut together by the studio more than any individual creative. And it did come in at around two hours long. 
But that also meant that there was a lot on the cutting room floor, and that's what led to a, a, the big fan petition to get it released. Something like Endgame, meanwhile, was very clearly planned to be that way. I don't think Zack Snyder ever really thought a four-hour cut of that movie would be officially released into theaters. So do you think that Endgame had a right to do that? Do you think Marvel, you know, you said Wakanda Forever is going to be a longer movie. Do you think they should be making these long movies, or do you think they should stay in their, you know, quote, wheelhouse? If the quality's there, I don't see why not. But I think Marvel is kind of an example where I think quality has become more of a question than a guarantee. Like, this year, both of the movies they've released have been around two hours. They haven't been as long as something like Black Panther is going to be. They've both hovered around the two-hour mark, but they've also been a little more lacking in a lot of ways. So maybe a longer runtime would have allowed them more time to develop. Maybe even a shorter runtime would have made them more focused. A long runtime is only a problem when there's not enough there to support it. And so with something like a superhero movie, it's all about that quality as opposed to how long. Because again, Spider-Man was two and a half hours, and I don't think many people were coming out of that saying that it felt like it was two and a half because they enjoyed the amount of time that it took for what happened in the movie. Right. I do want to give some context for Marvel specifically. I know that every episode comes back to Marvel, and that's not intentional. It's just the easiest example to use for things like this for tracking trends since 2008. Phase one, which goes up through the Avengers, averaged two hours and four minutes per film, and we're up now to where the past two phases, phase three, which ended with Endgame, and the current phase, which is phase four, which is everything since then, have both averaged two hours and 16 minutes, which realistically, it's an increase of 12 minutes. It doesn't really mean all that much. What I'm more interested in is whether or not there's less variation in runtime. Marvel has been criticized pretty heavily in the past for basically its whole existence for being formulaic. And if every movie that they release is going to hit two hours and 15 minutes to two hours and 30 minutes, I think that that's going to contribute to the formulaic feeling if everything is the same. I don't disagree. DC is a good comparison here because DC is much more splintered in their releases. It's harder to say, again, like I said, the Batman was three hours long, but just in compared to what was has, DC has been doing otherwise, the Suicide Squad last year was a li- just over two hours, so not as long as that. Black Adam, as far as I know, is not exceedingly long. And there's Justice League, but that's, again, kind of a weird outlier. DC, but compared to Marvel, varies greatly both in terms of their lengths and their content. Something like Joker is very different than something like The Suicide Squad, which is very different than something like The Batman. Whereas Marvel, kind of by design, all of the movies are much more similar both in tone and in production. So I do agree with you. I think that If the movies do continue to get longer, and consistently so across the board, I think audiences are going to be a lot less forgiving of their flaws. And I think we're seeing that already with stuff from this year and even some of the stuff from last year. I think think audiences are getting kind of tired of seeing the same thing over and over again and, and not really having anything to excite them or to look forward to as they might have had in the past. I do want to point out that this is not just a trend in franchise films. This is something that does exist across the board. So you can see it if you look at the past year in Oscar nominations. The movies that were nominated for Best Picture last year had an average runtime of two hours and 19 minutes. 
which is 14 minutes higher than the all-time average for that category. So it is creeping up on that level. And then if you look at specific nominees and then one notable exception to the nominee, you have things like Dune, which was over two and a half hours, or House of Gucci, which was not nominated, but was over two and a half hours. All of these movies, which are comfortably sitting at that line, where there's an impression one of our friends is convinced that every movie should be an hour and a half, and that is the standard, but it feels like the standard has shifted. And I think that that does affect the way that you watch a movie, if you know that you have to sit down and commit to this length of time to watch it, you may have different standards that you're judging it with. I'm interested in Dune specifically because that's a property that I cared about prior to the movie, so it's something that I really liked and I was comfortable sitting down and engaging with. But objectively, the last half hour of that movie drags. And I was wondering, Maggie, you were not familiar with Dune beforehand. What was the experience for you watching that? Did the runtime impact it? I don't think the runtime necessarily impacted it, The problem for me was that it was long and I liked that because I didn't know who these people were. I didn't know who any of the characters were. I didn't know how they were related. A lot of the movie, I still didn't understand when I came out of it. Having a longer runtime for me, who doesn't know all these things, it makes a bit more sense. But I think there's also something to be said that was marketed as like this epic sci-fi movie I know Reese is going to talk about film history and how we got to this point, but a lot of older films were like three hours long. Not a lot of them, but some of the historically big movies were very long because they were big epic stories that needed to be told in a longer time. I very much disagree with our friend who says movies should be an hour and a half. Oftentimes when I finish a movie that's short, I'm missing something. There's more plot that I wanted to be developed. There's more character that I wanted to be developed, and I didn't get that because it was a shorter movie. And so to what what you're saying there, there is definitely a historical precedent for this. A lot of the what are considered to be now classics, like Lawrence of Arabia, you mentioned The Godfather, movies like that were made up of runtimes that are, would be considered now as pretty long. Even looking at examples of more, I guess, eclectic background, stuff like Seven Samurai from Akira Kurosawa is three and a half hours long. But the kind of reasoning for that back when runtime started creeping up is TV. When TV didn't exist, movies could kind of be however long they wanted because people were going to go to the movies no matter what. Going to the movies during like the 30s, the 40s, the 50s was seen as an experience. It was, oh, we're going to plan our whole day, our whole Saturday or Sunday around going to the, to see a movie. Whereas nowadays, once TV kind of came on the scene, movies had to now compete with the fact that people didn't have to leave their houses to get entertainment. And so the only thing that movies could really do was make them grander, make themselves more epic, and do things that TV can't. That's why, especially in the 60s and 70s, runtime started to go up, because in order to keep people from losing that theatrical experience, there had to be a reason for them to want to leave their houses. And then the blockbuster comes along with movies like Jaws and Star Wars in the late 70s into the 80s, and suddenly now movies, you have special effects. You have movies that are attempting these more complex visual things that, again, TV, until very recently, couldn't really hold a candle to. Because of that, runtime started to go down again because it was less about this epic narrative 
that could be told over the course of two and a half to three hours and more about effects and action. And so runtime started to go down again. But now streaming has really impacted things. Not just having access to what would be on cable TV, but also access to a whole history's worth of film, of TV, and also of original stuff that these services are cranking out means that, again, movies have to find a reason to stand out and to incentivize people to go see a movie in a theater. So now I think we're kind of seeing a combo of those two historical precedents. We're seeing most blockbuster films are action-heavy special effects tales, but now they're also becoming these big, long epics. I think the best example of that is Eternals last year, which I don't necessarily think worked, but was clearly an attempt by Marvel to do something in that vein of this historical epic mixed with their typical superhero story. And I think it's likely that Black Panther looks like it's going to be very similar in that vein. I think we're going to see a lot more attempts at that as the years progress. There's also kind of a business incentive for studios when they're making movies to make them longer. We're seeing this more with Marvel now in comparison to other studios where if you make a movie longer, you can't book as many runtimes in a single screen. So in order to get the number of runtimes that you want for a Marvel movie in your theater, say that you want 60 showings the opening weekend, if the movie is two hours long, you might be able to do that on four screens. But if the movie is two and a half hours long, you need five, six screens in order to show the whole thing. So by making your movies longer, it's a way to kind of shove your competitors out of the market and some of those smaller movies that aren't able to meet that same screen demand then get pushed out of theaters by these bigger, longer movies that have more demand and that people will see to see because the brand name is on it. So it's kind of a cornering the market thing too, which I do not like, but... I mean, that's just Disney, right? That's been Disney's strategy through the past decade plus. We talked about that in the last episode, how it feels like every other week or so, the big movie that's coming out is a Disney movie. And that's kind of a weird feeling because there's not that guarantee anymore that they'll be good. But also, again, that expectation that, okay, I'm going to be in here for a while, not just with the trailers beforehand with all the extraneous ads and whatever, but also the movie itself being two hours plus means it's more of a commitment, which some people definitely see as a problem. Well, I'm curious what either of you think, because we kind of talked about the business side of it and the art side of it, but what about the psychology? I feel like I read a lot of things that's like, teenagers have no attention span anymore and everyone has ADHD and nobody can focus on anything for that long. Is that in contrast with what we're talking about? Why are we having these longer movies if supposedly we have no attention spans? This is going to be something that I'm embarrassed to admit, but if I'm watching a movie or a show at home, I have trouble focusing on it more. I'm more likely to have my phone out at the same time as I'm watching a movie. And I really hate that. I hate the need to have two screens, but it's hard for me to sit down and focus. So the theater kind of negates that for me. I'm able to sit down in a theater and not be tempted to pull out my phone at all. But in home entertainment, I find it harder to sit and focus on something, which is interesting because on the streaming side of things, everything feels like it's getting longer too. It's kind of thrown off the whole 23 minutes for half hour programming 
and 44 minutes for our programming thing, where now you can have... A two-hour finale A two-hour finale for a show, which is unnecessary, for one. Done just to inflate their viewership hours for a second. And I just don't want to sit and watch a two-and-a-half-hour episode of TV because that's not an episode of TV to me. I agree, and, and I know we're kind of transitioning into TV, but I do want to go back to movies just for a brief second. I also have the same thing, and I think I have trouble at home watching movies and not, and e- especially if I'm not enjoying it, even if it's just to look something up about the movie. Like, oh, I don't know who this person is. I want to see what else they've been in. What else has the director done? Whatever. That then leads to, oh, let me check Twitter. Let me look at Instagram, whatever. And as a result, whenever I go to a movie, I turn my phone completely off. And I've started doing that at home, too. When I, when I decide I'm going to watch a movie, I turn my phone off, I turn my computer off, and I just watch the movie. And that's something that has definitely helped me focus more on the movies that I'm watching. But also, I will say, even in the theater, I think I see that happening a lot where longer movies do make people kind of fidgety. But going back to Dune, I've talked to people who, I know, Maggie, you said that you felt the long run time was an advantage. And I would agree with that because I really enjoyed Dune. Again, kind of having no prior relationship with the material, I went in and I thoroughly enjoyed the approach to it. But I also know plenty of people who are bored the whole movie because it, it felt like nothing was really happening. And that's kind of a symptom of when you have the most popular genres and the most popular kinds of films being these movies like action-heavy superhero movies where every 10, 15 minutes you can always expect something to happen in terms of an, a new action scene, a new character showing up, a new villain being introduced, whatever – it makes it harder to kind of sit through a movie where a lot of it is set up, a lot of it is plot, and that kind of thing. Quick plug for Dune 2, which I'm assuming will be like two and a half or three hours or longer. It will be much more action-packed, and Florence Pugh will be there. So anyone who was apprehensive about the first one should go and see the second one, because it'll be incredible. We're going to have to try to get our friend Lexi to come back. Our campus and community editor at the Miami Student did not enjoy Dune because she believes that movies should be an hour and a half long. Yes, two hours and 36 minutes was... Far too long for her. Yes. Which she also said for Don't Worry Darling, although I think for different reasons. Don't Worry Darling was long because it was boring. I was... And we don't have time to get into that today, but maybe in a future episode. But ranking, two out of ten. Five out of ten. Three out of ten. So TV. Sean, I see that you're wearing a Stranger Things shirt. I am wearing a Stranger Things shirt. That is completely coincidental. But when we're talking about the TV side of things, Stranger Things is a really good case study in what the trend has been. If you go back historically into television, 22 episodes was the standard for a while for most shows. You would have a 22-episode season. The episodes would be... 44 minutes long if it was a drama, so that you could have 16 minutes of ads, and 23 minutes long if it was a comedy, so you could have 7 minutes of ads. Little bit of flex there, but that was the general. Now, you have streaming on demand, and suddenly there's not this requirement that you're creating television to play on television. You don't have to fit it into these programming slots. So it opens you up artistically to do more or to push the formula a little bit and there's not that hard constraint but somehow that's also manifested itself in shorter seasons which i think is interesting so well shorter seasons longer episodes so in effect is it a shorter season 
But it still is, though, because like if you take Stranger Things season four is an exception because the last episode was two hours and 20 minutes long. But if you look at some of their limited series, which I'm blanking on the names of now, but if you look at Stranger Things season one was eight episodes, roughly an hour long. They were like, I think, 40 minutes to an hour. They didn't really push that very much. It was good that they were able to go up to an hour. I think that that worked better than if they were trying to rigidly cut off at 44 minutes every time. But that is less television overall than... I'm trying to think of another scripted continuous show that I would have watched on TV, and the only example that I'm coming up with is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is embarrassing. But that was 22 episodes of 44 minutes, and you had three plots per season because they had to stretch it out. They had to make it work. I think a lot of things, as often does in TV, ties back to Game of Thrones. A lot of people consider The Sopranos to be the beginning of the golden age of television, and I think that's fair. But I think Game of Thrones is what really revolutionized modern TV, both good and bad. It's led to a lot of bigger competition and a lot more studios and services being willing to dump money into TV and seeing it as a valuable and a potentially lucrative asset as opposed to TV being kind of secondary to film, which it's, it was viewed at as for a long time, especially in terms of critical appraisal. You hear a lot of people saying, I really love movies, but TV is just kind of for entertainment. And I think nowadays something like A Game of Thrones being so successful in its early seasons has led to people taking TV more seriously in terms of telling complicated stories. On the other hand, because it was debuting on airing on HBO, that meant that it kind of had the leniency to make its runtimes a little bit longer. And so you saw with Game of Thrones a lot of episodes that reached and breached 60 minutes. You had some episodes that were around an hour and a half, especially as the seasons went on toward the end. From what I understand, the episodes got really long. And I think that's kind of carried over into streaming services, where you have a service like Netflix, who was in the early days with shows like Orange is the New Black and House of Cards, still doing that typical, it's a drama, it's going to be 40 to 50 minutes, that kind of formula, but then realizing we can make it longer and people will still watch it. And so that's what I think has led to stuff like Stranger Things. And even looking now at the Game of Thrones prequel series that's been airing recently, those episodes are also still hovering around 60 minutes, not really going as crazy, but still at least an hour every episode. And the Lord of the Rings TV show, which has also recently started, those episodes are averaging 70 minutes, which, again, for for like an epic fantasy, doesn't seem like that crazy, especially compared to like the Lord of the Rings films, which themselves were all three hours plus. But for a TV show, which is a lot more of an investment and a lot longer in the grand scheme of things than than even one movie, it feels like a lot. Yeah, and I think to play devil's advocate maybe a little bit here, I'm going to compare it to our area of study, journalism. In journalism, you know, we have a word count. When you're printing in paper, you have to make cuts for what you're writing. And I think that usually works in favor of the story. And now with the digital age of journalism, you know, we can put whatever we want out there. We can make it as long as we want, which sometimes I think is fine. Other times, I think it is absolutely not. You're putting a a story online that's 10,000 words that does not need to be 10,000 words. And I think it's the same thing in this. They're making it 
too long just because they can, but people don't enjoy that. When I watched the Stranger Things finale, I loved it. I cried the whole time. I watched it in chunks. It was too long. It didn't need to be a two-hour feature-length film. It was the finale of a show. And I will say, I've enjoyed Stranger Things in the past. I watched the previous three seasons, but as soon as I saw the episode lengths, I said, I'm not watching that. And again, I, for the most part, enjoyed season one and two. I was more mixed on three, but I was still open to another season. But as soon as I saw that, especially in part two, how bloated those lengths were getting, I just didn't see a reason that I should get that invested in it, especially coming off a season that I was kind of more, I was kind of less convinced of. And so in that way, and even the Lord of the Rings show, like I'm not the hugest Tolkien fan, but I've seen like I would I've seen the ads for it when I've gone to see movies. And I'm like that looks really professional. It looks really good visually, but just seeing those episode lengths, I just don't have the time to watch a ten episode season of seventy minute episodes with everything else going on in my life right now. I will not defend the Rings of Power show because they spent fifty million dollars an episode and it still looks cheap. I take issue with that. I will, though, Maggie, with what you're saying about concision and journalism, take that one step further, because I am firmly of the opinion that Disney is one of the worst offenders for show lengths and what they're putting on their platform on Disney+, Plus, because every show that they make should either be shorter or longer, and they never make it the right length, with the exception of WandaVision, which, interestingly, had shorter episodes. The longest one was 54 minutes. And it still felt perfect. And it still felt perfect. My problem is... If you're making a season of television, and that season of television is six episodes, then what you've written is a very poorly edited movie where you just didn't want to make cuts. Every six episode season of television could be a movie. And I don't really want to make exceptions to that rule. Maybe for Game of Thrones season eight, for different reasons, that was because the producers threw in the towel and just wanted to get it over with as fast as possible. So that was too short. And that is one exception. But for everything else that I've seen that's a six-episode season, that's just a movie that you want streaming numbers for, for whatever reason. I don't see why Obi-Wan wasn't a movie. I don't see why Loki couldn't have been a movie. You just didn't want to edit, and yeah. that bothers me. Yeah, I think I think Obi-Wan and Falcon and the Winter Soldier are the two best examples of those because I know Obi-Wan was originally a film. that was It was supposed to be a movie, and then it got turned into a TV show. I don't I remember at what stage. I don't know what their state of reasoning for it was, but that was intended to be a film that then very clearly the script that already existed got bloated and got expanded, and you can kind of tell. And I think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is the same way because – the episodes don't feel like episodes. They feel like long scenes from a movie that then just got taken and edited in as opposed to the opposite happening if you were making a movie. And it's not a coincidence that it's six episodes then because movies follow the three-act structure. You just give two episodes to every act. That's the way that they all play out, too. It feels like that. and That's not a good thing. Yeah, that is not a good thing. I will say, though, in terms of Disney, I definitely agree. But I also think that there is a place for stuff like a limited series. I think shows that are one-and-dones, that have a story that they want to tell over the course of a runtime longer than a movie, are still good to have. There are plenty of 
shows and limited series that I've watched that didn't feel like they could have been anything else. I can't name any off the top of my head, of course. But I have watched shows where there's five episodes, six episodes, seven episodes, and that's all they're intended to be. Well, a lot of true crime stuff right. does that. Even if it's it's not a documentary, a lot of true crime stuff, especially on Netflix, follows that six-episode structure. But it was never meant to be a movie, which I think is the difference we're talking about. Yeah, here. and I, I think those kind of things do have a purpose and they have a place. And they can be really, really good. But it's all a matter of intent, right? How do you view television versus film? And especially with streaming, with the ability to put whatever you want on it, do you view your audience as being willing to sit through a six-hour-long movie that you're calling a TV show? Or are you willing to, to make a six-hour TV show? And I think, I think Disney especially has trouble with that distinction and doesn't really know how to apply it to their franchises. Right. So as with every episode this semester, we have ended on a let's bash Disney notes. Very deservedly so, I think. Disney needs to kind of get their shit together. Does anyone have final thoughts? Did we cover everything that everyone wants to talk about? Kind of to wrap it up, obviously runtime is not always a bad thing. There are plenty of examples of longer movies and TV shows that justify their length, that justify being as long as they are, and are intentionally designed so. The problem sets in when everything starts being like that, and when it starts feeling like a chore to watch what you would consider to be maybe more of a popcorn film. I don't want watching Marvel movies to feel like a job. I don't want Star Wars TV shows to feel like I need a whole, I need to go to college to get a degree. I want to be able to turn them on, enjoy them, and then turn them off and go do something else. But more and more, it feels like I can't do that because there's just so much of them and they're so long. And I think it's kind of a, a shame because I used to really enjoy those kind of things, but more and more it's it's feeling like an obligation. I will end on a less eloquent note. That was an amazing ending. Y'all seen that meme where it's like, yeah, I'm not going to go to the movie theater and watch a two-hour movie, but I will sit down and watch a 10-hour Netflix show, and I will binge it. I don't know. made me think of that. Like I said, not very eloquent, but just food for thought, you know? Very good food for thought. I will absolutely still watch the next season of Stranger Things, regardless of what its runtime is. So I'm harping on it, but I am part of the problem. And on that note, I think we will we'll wrap up today's episode. Thank you, Reese, for coming on. You guys will be hearing him a lot more now that he's an assistant entertainment editor. Yes, we'll be talking about maybe something music-related next time. Maybe Taylor Swift. So... This episode was produced and edited by Sean Scott, Maggie Pena, Reese Hollowell, and Sarah Grace Hayes, with supervising production from our editor-in-chief, Cosette Gunter. Our theme music is by Sam Terribolini. Stay tuned and follow us on Spotify under the name Pop Culture Combos or on SoundCloud under The Miami Student. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.